people are never going to understand how critical this particular time in history is. We have $7.7 trillion worth of economic events that are going to hit America in the gut. This is An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun, President and CEO of Private Wealth Consultants, the free market voice, free market voice. of the U.S., enhancing and protecting private wealth. Gary Rathbun has over 30 years of experience in making the best choices for you to keep more of what you earn. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. This is Greetings and Happy New Year. Very excited about 2016. 2016 going to be a lot better than 2015. Uh, but then again, I guess it'd have to be, wouldn't it? Uh, not really. 2015, good year. Could have been better. 2016, very excited about. Uh, big election year, probably to uh, grab an old cliche, the most important election year in our lifetimes. Um this time, I think it might actually be true. Uh, given the presidential candidates out there, I can see where, you know, you get the wrong person in as president uh, this uh, year. It it could have uh, even longer-lasting effects on America than, than President Obama's uh, tenure has. At this time of year, though, I get asked a lot of times, a lot of questions about... Um, what was the big story? What's the big event in 2015? And what do I think is going to happen in 2016? Well, 2015, I think the the big story, although it may not have been covered uh, as if it's the, the biggest story, is China. I think China drove the, uh, the economics of the world in 2015. And... I think they're going to have a huge effect on the economics of the world in 2016, but not necessarily in the same way. I think that a lot more truth is going to come out about the Chinese economy, and we're not going to see we're not going to see the tail wagging the dog. I don't think as much in 2016. Their currency is uh, scheduled to be part of the uh, IMF special drawing rights later this year and uh uh we're going to we're going to follow that and and have some interesting experts on in the weeks ahead to talk about that because I've said for a long time I don't think China being part of the IMF special drawing rights is a big deal and uh come to find out there are a lot of people that that agree with me that uh have a lot of numbers and and charts to to back it up. But the the big story, the big economic story in 2015, I believe, was China's economy slowing down so much that the communist leaders of China essentially have to admit that the numbers they're putting out there of 7% GDP, GDP growth year over year just isn't realistic. Because of that, We've had a a major um, decline. I don't quite want to say deflation yet, although it is deflationary. Uh, big cl- decline in commodity prices. 
And going into 2016, I think that this year is going to be a a year-long decline or softness, if you will, in commodity prices. To me, that makes 2016 uh, very easy to predict. I know that uh, China is not going to be able to recover. They're trying to switch over to a uh, a consumer-based economy from an exporting economy. Well, that's not easily done, and it's certainly not easily done at a size of population that China has. And to to be consumers, one of the interesting underlying principles of being a consumer is private property rights. There's no sense consuming if you don't have the rights to what you consume. And you don't have the rights to the property that you exchange your labor for. But that being said, commodities are going to drive, I think, much of the movement in the stock market in 2016. We've seen oil come down from $100 a barrel to mid-30 range in 2015. I believe that oil is going to stay somewhere between 30 and $60 a barrel. I know that's a wide, wide corridor. It's a movement of 100%. I understand that. But that's the nature of commodities. Commodities do have wide price swings, including grains and livestock and basic manufacturing materials. So steel uh, price is going down significantly, iron ore down significantly, oil down significantly, gasoline, uh, zinc, copper. Copper in in my day when I was in college studying economics, copper uh, we used to say was the only uh, metal that had a Ph.D. in economics. Copper in the past has always been considered a leading indicator of what's going on in the market. Now, commodities, um, it's very important that we understand those because they're highly leveraged, meaning people borrow money to buy commodities. And so a small movement in the price of the underlying commodity can cause some real problems real fast. For example, if we buy, I don't know, let's say $1,000 worth of a commodity, not a big number, but let's just think in base 10 here for a minute. $1,000, and we borrow $990 of that 1000 So we borrow 99%, and we put up 1% in cash. If the price of the underlying commodity moves by 1%, suddenly we're 100% leveraged, and we have no equity. And... At $1,000, that's not a big deal. Add several zeros to that, and it becomes a very big deal. And much of the speculation in commodities is done on a leveraged basis, meaning people borrow a lot of money to buy and sell commodities. So commodities the byword for 2016. Mark my words on this. You're going to want to watch commodity pricing and the movement of that price 
very carefully and make sure that you figure out why, that you learn why a price is moving one way or the other. For example, if grains move, those are more on supply and demand than they are on speculation. Oil is supply and demand, but it's also highly speculative. Now, one of the commodities we haven't talked about or I haven't mentioned yet today is gold and silver, precious metals. They follow more the value of the underlying currency than supply and demand. There is some supply and demand baked into their pricing. If more people want them, the price is going to go up. But due to the volume of gold and silver out there, specifically gold, it's more driven by the value of underlying currencies, namely the dollar. So if the dollar continues to get stronger, gold will probably not move from where it's at very much. It will move if there's a great big discovery of gold somewhere where somebody discovers you know, a couple million tons or something. That'll, that'll drop the price down. But all things being equal, um, gold and silver, while they will track similarly to the general commodities, are affected by other things than simple supply and demand. They're affected more by currencies. Now, that being said, 16, I'm not going to give you any predictions about what I think the stock market's going to do. That's not my job here. We'll talk about it uh, as the weeks uh, go by. But I do think that 2016 is going to be a pivotal year, not only from the election, not only from presidential election and congressional, but based on who gets in office, it's going to be very, very critical because of Supreme Court nominees. We've got a lot of people on the Supreme Court that are past a point where they should retire. I'll say it that way. We have more people on the Supreme Court over the age of 75 than we've ever had in our history. And some of those people are going to retire in the next president's term. And when they retire, it will be up to the president and Congress as to what type of person goes in there. Now, remember, they are appointed for life, for life. So they're not done until they decide they're done. And so it's critical who gets put in there. And the next president is going to be able to nominate people for those positions. And that's going to be absolutely critical to your freedom, to the constitutionality of this country, uh, to life as a whole. I don't want to over-dramatize this, but to me, that's the most important aspect of this election is the appointment of Supreme Court justices that are going to be leaving the Supreme Court uh, due to retirement. So that being said, we're going to stay on top of this. We're going to look at everything and uh, keep you informed as, as uh, best we can. Coming up, a little bit of victory uh, that I want to savor in uh, 
the uh, budget bill that got passed and signed uh, a week or so ago. I'll talk about that next. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. Well, it's not very often that I'm able to feel good about anything in a budget that Congress passes and President Obama signs. Uh, this last budget, there were a couple things in there. Section 179, uh, accelerated depreciation I thought was good. Uh, lifting the ban of, of being able to export crude oil out of this country I thought was uh, a good thing. Uh, in reading through things, I saw another thing in there that, uh, you know what, I'm pleased about. And that is the GOP slid into this budget uh, a defunding of the civil asset forfeiture uh, sharing from the Department of Justice. So what happens is, and you've heard me talk about civil asset forfeiture, this is where... Um, Police departments around the country uh, file charges against an inanimate object or they confiscate uh, objects, assets that are suspected to be part of a crime. Now, oftentimes uh, it's probably legitimate, but many times it's not where the owner of the asset is uh, not convicted. Uh, sometimes, oftentimes they're not even accused of a crime. We've heard stories where people get stopped for whatever reason. They're not given a ticket. They're not accused of a crime, but all their cash is uh, confiscated because it's too much. It's too much. We've spoken with John Whitehead from the Rutherford Institute many times about the militarization of America and the police force where they confiscate your money and there's just, there's just no way to get it back. Now, several states have imposed laws that make it hard for police departments to confiscate money and keep it. So what they've done to get around this is they will charge the asset or the person with a federal crime. And then the Department of Justice is involved, and their policy is give the local police force 80% of what they confiscate, and the Department of Justice keeps 20%. So there's a huge incentive for for people to confiscate assets and not give them back without due cause or due process. Well, this budget essentially took away the money from uh, Department of Justice to uh, implement the program. The Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015 included a $746 million permanent reduction of the asset forfeiture program funds. And this is after an additional $458 million in the 2016 budget. So essentially took out over a billion dollars from the Department of Justice for this asset forfeiture program, so they have no money. They've informed the police departments that were getting money from them, uh, well done, gone dry. They ain't getting any more money. So... Good thing. I think it's a positive thing because 
in, in reading through some of John Whitehead's columns from the Rutherford Institute, he wrote a great book, uh, by the way, called Battlefield America, The War on the American People. If you haven't read that yet, pick it up, read it. Keep you up at night, so read it in the morning. But excellent, excellent uh, resource for what's going on out there. Read a, res- read a recent column uh, from John, and, and he talks about what he expects in 2016, and it's more um, an attack on our freedoms, more surveillance, more militarized police, more uh, SWAT team, uh, team raids, um, more attempts by the government to identify and target and punish domestic extremists, quote-unquote. Uh, we'll also see more terrorist attacks, uh, not only in this country, but around the world. And, uh, you know, none of that is very positive. I, I don't like to to think about that, but not thinking about it does nothing to get rid of it. It's very important that... 2016, our resolutions need to be to stand firm for our rights, to educate ourselves with truth and facts, and to fight that fight. It is a battle for our America, our economy, the American way. And if we're going to win, we need to be informed And we need to fight every day. There are no weekends in the battle for liberty. In the weeks ahead, we'll talk about what you can do financially, including reducing debt, using cash, what to invest in as far as metals, how to protect yourself and your family from what's going to happen in 2016. Now, that being said, I think it's going to be a good year. But one of the important things that we'll have to watch out for in 2016, and that's the propaganda of political correctness. I'll talk about that next. Gary Rathbun, an economy of one. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. You know, 2015 was one of those years where people were very anxious and they couldn't always define why. And as I talked to many of them, it boiled down to things happening in this country. The information out there is not, not the country that they have in their head, not the vision they have, not the country they grew up in, that this president and this Congress is fundamentally changing in a negative way what's going on. And I looked at this, and and one of the things that that I try to accomplish here uh, on the show is bringing reality into the information. It's, it's reached a point where the mainstream media is just wrong. 
I mean, they, they, they're just blatant about being wrong. They know they're wrong. We know they're wrong. They know we know they're wrong. And yet they say stupid stuff anyway. And it's the same with politicians. Uh, the, the people running for the presidential um, nomination now, I mean, it, it's amazing uh, some of the things that come out of these uh, people's mouths. Um, how sad is it? How sad is it when Russia is doing a better job fighting ISIS and being a leader in the world than we are? We have to become the strong, dominant leader in the world that we once were. And that includes both economically and politically. You look at the news, and and this is why the Internet is so good to have and why government wants to regulate the Internet so badly, is there's an unlimited amount of information out there. There's unlimited sources for finding the truth and getting the facts of any situation. It, it, it blows my mind that these politicians will say something on the record and two weeks, three weeks, two years, three years later will deny they even said that. Well, in, in, in 15 seconds, we can pull it up on the Internet and get them on record as to what they said. And then it becomes, well, that's not what I meant. You misinterpreted it. No, I didn't. It's right there. You said it. The public gets suckered by the news media all the time. The news media is ignoring reality. Just look at the the tanker truck story um, for ISIS. The, the, the ISIS is, is trucking uh, crude oil that they have stolen uh, into Turkey, selling it to the tune of about $2 billion a year in cash flow to them. What did we do? We dropped leaflets on the trucking convoys telling the drivers that in 45 minutes we were going to blow them up. And the brochure said, leave the trucks, don't die for this. In 45 minutes, we're going to blow you up. And 45 minutes later, they blew up a few trucks. Russia blew up over 1,000 in just a couple hours. Our leaders have reached the point where they want to not fight under the guise of risks to civilians. It's unacceptable to them if an innocent civilian gets killed uh, while they're blowing up ISIS. Now, should innocent civilians get killed? No, of course not. Of course not. But that's reality, that situation over there. And the media tells us nothing about that. The fact that Russia is doing a better job fighting terrorism than we are should shame us into doing a much, much better job. But the propaganda out there is, it's, it's, it's not even disguised anymore. 
I mean, you and I can easily recognize that we're being lied to. And we're showing such weakness worldwide that our next president has to have guile. Our next president has to be strong, decisive, clear in what they say and what they do and follow through with what they say. How many times have we drawn that red line in the sand? It's been stepped over and we shrug our shoulders and draw another red line in the sand. How many times have, has our leadership given up American greatness in the name of political correctness, in the name of environmental? They didn't want to blow up the oil wells supplying ISIS because it might hurt the environment. Will it hurt the environment? Probably. But I'd rather hurt their environment over there than hurt our people over here. Now, that being said, the anxiety that people have, I understand. I have it too. But it's not... It's not undoable. It is not a bell that can't be unrung. If you look at what President Obama has done over seven years so far, and this next year is going to be really, really dynamic, he is not going to go out as a lame duck. Because he doesn't have to. Nobody fights him. The Congress doesn't fight him. Nobody fights him on what he wants to do. But his legacy can easily, easily be erased. But you need someone in there following him with the stones to do it. The law says any president is free to revoke, modify, or supersede his own orders or those issued by a predecessor. That's according to the Congressional Research Services. In other words, a Republican president could come in and essentially overturn every executive action taken by President Obama the moment he takes the oath of office. He could simply say, he could sign an executive order rescinding all of President Obama's executive orders. He could also filter them saying, I'm going to rescind all executive orders deemed harmful to economic growth or constitutionally suspect. And then put together a, a commission of some kind to review all the other orders. And if they're not reissued or amended in 60 days, they're automatically rescinded. Now, does anybody have the guts to do that? Look at the presidential candidates today. What do we got? 10, 12, 14 left on the Republican side, uh, two or three on the Democratic side. Really, we just have have one there. Everybody knows it's going to be uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Everybody knows she's entitled. Everybody knows that she's determined to be the first woman 
uh, president of the United States. But she isn't going to do it. She isn't going to rescind any of President Obama's executive orders. In fact, she's going to be worse. I would suspect she's got the outline or bullet points of an executive order she wants to implement on her first day in the in the office. I don't know, and I'm just guessing, but she's got a pretty good idea of what she wants to do. Look on the Republican side. Who would do that? Would Ted Cruz do that? Would Donald Trump do that? Rubio? Jeb Bush? John Kasich? I mean, who's going to gonna stand up and say, no, this was this was bad for the country. This was unconstitutional. Congress didn't stand up to him. And he went around, circumvented Congress in getting these things through. Um, I'm going to give a stroke of a pen, and I'm going to get rid of them all. And we're going to step back eight years and get rid of all these executive orders. And then we're going to start working on some executive orders of our own to take the teeth out of Obamacare, take the the uh, negative impact on our economy from Obamacare. We're going to get rid of a lot of those provisions. Who's going to step up and do that? To me, that is a deciding factor because, to me, that says it all about the constitutional attitude of what the next president should be. If there was one question I would ask the candidates, it would be, are you willing and will you sign an executive order your first day in office rescinding all of President Obama's executive orders? And if, if the answer is anything but absolutely I will do that, then I'm not sure I could vote for that person. Now think about that. Who of these candidates would do that? I can think of a couple that would have the stones to do that. Will I get a chance to ask them that? Maybe. We're going to go to the Republican convention uh, this year, and we might be able to to uh, corner them and ask a few questions. I don't know. But uh, if I get one shot to ask one question, that'll be the question. Coming up, political correctness. This has always been a thorn in my side. And uh, we like to think it's about being nice, but it's much deeper than that. We'll talk about political correctness next. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. An additional resolution that uh, I think we should be conscious of for uh, this year now is to fight, and I do mean fight in every sense of the word, political correctness. Political correctness is not about being nice. It's not about being sensitive to anybody's issues it's about control it's it's about the mind control of 
shall we say, progressives. If political correctness was really about kindness and respect, it, it, it wouldn't need to be imposed upon us. Um, we already have a mechanism in society uh, for um, kindness and respect. It's called manners. It's called civility. And we already have a team of individuals charged with ensuring that you and I have good manners and are civil and that are instilled in us and upheld. They're called parents. My civility, my my good manners was brought to me by my parents' training. Political correctness tries to override that to win favor for a particular campaign or agenda. It's, it has nothing to do with kindness. Political correctness falls under the category of propaganda, and, and it's fundamentally a lie. It's about refusing to deal with the underlying nature of reality. It's a, it's a group herd effect. It's trying to intimidate people into saying things and believing and feeling things a certain way. Now, thought police have always existed. Always. We've always had people trying to spin things a certain way, to use certain language uh, a certain way. And psychologists have, have been doing this for years. Marketing, advertising agencies have been doing this for years to, pro- to promote, uh, you know, uh, different products from bacon and eggs as a healthy breakfast to ballet to uh, different kinds of soap, okay, or deodorant. Uh, for those of you that watch Mad Men and, and understand a little bit of marketing history, um, one of the campaigns around r- lucky strikes or smoking back in the day was it would help your health. It was healthy for you. So it's all about a herd psychology, and herd psychology can't be trusted. The herd is irrational and dangerous and must be steered by wiser men in a thousand imperceptible ways. And that's what politically correct, that's what government, that's what college professors, all of them try to do. Now, it's still being used uh, more so today than, than ever, okay? And the, the, the thought process is people are, are gullible. They want to fit in. They want to win acceptance uh, from the group. Um, it's important that, that political correct um, propagandists use uh, third-party authorities. How many products are endorsed by celebrities, by athletes, uh, politicians, models, uh, all that kind of stuff? So the herd takes its cue and, and wants to be part of uh, that aspect. Furthermore, political correctness has a huge huge emotional component and that affects you subconsciously 
as well as consciously. So political correctness is not about manners and civility. It's about power and control. But we still have the freedom to act. People enforce political correctness are not asking us. They're not debating us. They don't care about our thoughts or our lives. They want us to act a certain way. There's a poll out there that suggests 51% of Democrats and a third of all Americans um, support criminalizing speech. But we have time. Defeatum, defeatism is never called for, and it makes us unworthy of our ancestors. I use a lot of humor to ridicule political correctness. It's absurd, and most people sense it. And as practitioners suffer from a comical lack of self-awareness and irony, I use every tool at my disposal, disposal to mock, ridicule, and expose political correctness for what it is. And throughout this year, we're going to look at PC and point it out wherever we can. In that light, I want to end tonight with this. To all my progressive friends, please accept, with no obligation implied or implicit, my best wishes for an environmentally conscious, socially responsible, low-stress, non-addictive, gender-neutral celebration of the winter solstice holiday. Practice within the most enjoyable tra traditions of religious persuasion of your choice or secular practices of your choice with respect for the religious secular persuasion and or traditions of others or their choice not to practice religious or secular traditions at all. I also wish you a fiscally successful, personally fulfilling and medically uncomplicated recognition of the onset of the generally accepted calendar year 2016. But not without due respect for the calendars of choice of other cultures whose contribu uh, contributions to society have helped to make America great. Not to imply that America is necessarily greater than any other country, nor the only America in the Western Hemisphere. Also, this wish is made without regard to race, creed, color, age, physical ability, religious faith, or sexual preference of the wishy. To all my conservative, objective thinking friends, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I want you to have a great day. Be an individual. Be self-reliant. Be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathbun. We'll see you next time. This is our country. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC-registered investment advisor.